the Farm Advisory Service podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government. John Sinclair owns and runs Craigie's Farm Shop just outside Edinburgh. It's a family-run business with pick-your-own-fruit-and-veg as well as the shop and cafe. Due to Covid, the shop and cafe initially had to close, but John and his team quickly adapted to offer home delivery, which has become an important new income. As things open up, it has allowed them to find a new way of reaching customers. My name is Mary Jane Laurie and this is our second Forward Thinking Farmers podcast. Today I'm speaking to John Sinclair of Craigie's Farm just outside Edinburgh. Good evening, John. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are things? Good, yeah. No, for another busy day again. Good. Um, can you start by introducing yourself a bit, please, and your farm? Yeah, my name's John Sinclair, a tenant farmer at West Craigie Farm, a farm in partnership with my, my wife, Kirsteen Sinclair. Yeah, West Craigie Farms are a tenanted, it was a 100 uh, hectare tenanted farm that my father uh, took on in 1966. Um, and it's mainly arable uh, ground, um, but we've kind of uh, diversified a little bit and grow soft fruit, vegetables, and um, we've got a farm shop and cafe, which is uh, sort of the main part of the business now. So when your father took on the tenancy, was it a fairly bog standard farm? Was it like mixed cropping and livestock or what sort of system did he have? Yeah, when he took it on, uh, he was uh, milking cows. So he was uh, milking about 100 cows and he was uh, retailing the milk directly to consumers between sort of here in the centre of Edinburgh. We're just right in the west, west side of Edinburgh, so about six miles from the centre of Edinburgh. Okay. So, so yeah, it was quite an early introduction really to kind of... Uh, uh, marketing is, is produced direct to, to the consumer. And was that quite unusual at the time to sell directly to consumer or was that the sort of done thing? There's probably quite a lot of farms around about Edinburgh. There used to be quite a few dairy farms uh, uh, at the west side of Edinburgh and you know, a lot of them probably would have uh, retailed the milk directly. Um, when the pasteurisation laws were introduced in, in the 70s, uh, the landlord saw that as being a non-agricultural operation. So you, right. you wouldn't give dad the permission to put a pasteurization plant in. And okay. um, I, I like to think my father had uh, foresight, but it was maybe going a bit too far. But he didn't really <laughs> see, see see the future in, in sort of selling his milk to someone else to then process it and package it and then, yeah. then sell it on again. So uh, he came out of dairying altogether in the, in the 1970s. Okay. So what, when did you take on the farm? Yeah, well, I... Uh, Went to college in the mid eighties and graduated in eighty uh, nine, and um, you know, really all I wanted to do was sort of drive tractors and and, and big machinery. But you know the size of size of farm that we were at West Craigie, and, and also things were really pretty tough at that time because you know the eighties yeah. were, were were pretty poor. And uh, I have a financial statement of the, uh, that that would have come out the accounts from the mid nineteen eighties, uh, and really you know, on paper we should have been should have been bust. Um, right. you know, but the banks kept on sort of supporting us and you know, so it must have been pretty tough for dad at the time, you know, with a son that wanted to come back, desperate to come back to the farm and trying to get a living for one family was hard enough, but, but let alone yeah. two. So um, you know, it was that time that dad planted uh, the first of the soft fruit um 
and really from the back of that far, a, a sort of farm shop and uh, whatnot developed. Um, whilst he was doing that, I, I, I set off and did a lot of agricultural contracting. Right. Yeah, you know, which was which was great when uh, you. Know, I was sitting in the seat in the tractor, but but you know, after Dad passed away, when I tried to uh, do do a bit of both, uh, you know, and I had to pay someone to sit in the tractor seat, then you know, just uh, uh, you know, became quite obvious that there wasn't really a future in and uh, yeah. that for us. Yeah. So when your father passed away, was it you and your wife then that took on the business? Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose you know, I was always quite lucky. Dad had uh, told told me from quite an early age that uh, when when I reached the age of thirty, he would be be sixty, and he would, he would hand the checkbook over. Um, so you know, unfortunately, never he was died at fifty seven, uh, so oh. quite 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 young. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I was quite well prepared uh, to, to to take yeah. over. Um, you know, at, at, uh, um, you know, I had it in my mind that this is what I was wanting to do, and and uh, uh, you know that you know, it was only three years away, uh, so it just happened a little bit quicker. So it, it was it was really quite good, and you know, I think it's one thing that I've uh, you know uh, always been really grateful of. And I've sat my two kids down and and said the same to them. You, know, I don't want to be doing this forever. Um, yeah. you know, there's, there's far too many farms out there that it's you know the grandfather that's writing the checks where the, the yeah. The kids are perfectly capable of uh, of of, of you know, building up the business and moving the business forward. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? So many people don't think about succession planning early on, and you know, not, you know, it's awful that your father died so young. But if you hadn't had that plan in place, um, that you and you'd been preparing for it, then you know, to take over, it would have been very difficult to suddenly have to start running the business without being involved in all the finances and things. So, yeah. um, it's good that you were involved and clearly knew um, the direction you were taking the business from that point. So, I've, all, I've always um, kind of thought that that life's a bit like a graph. You know, when you start off, you've got no experience, but uh, you know, you gain that over the years. Uh, but you start start off with stacks of enthusiasm, uh, which you know, as the years go on, that kind of dwindles. So um, you know, I, I guess just catching that sort of sweet spot in the middle where you've you've got a bit a bit of experience and still got enthusiasm. Yeah, as as you were saying, it's no when to get out, isn't it? <laughs> when you've had enough yeah, um, and still time to enjoy life as well, so that's important. Right. So your kids are quite involved in the business, aren't they? Yeah, so we've got two two kids. So Sophie's uh, twenty three and George is uh, twenty two. So um, Sophie's a professional curler, um, but she's worked in all the areas of the business and uh, in, in, in the shop and cafe side. Uh, and she's currently sort of helping with the, the deliveries and coordinating that, okay. that, that sort of new side of the business. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think she's studying business, and I think you'll certainly shows interest in on coming back home. Yeah. Um, and then George, he's uh, just finished doing rural business management at uh, uh, SRUC in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, he's uh, been travelling and uh, he's, he's currently working at home, but will probably go off and do a harvest job. So just really kind of encouraging them to go out and see how other people do things and uh, uh, get a bit of experience and uh, um, a bit of uh, uh, see a bit of the world as well when they've got the chance. Yeah. Yeah, that's important, isn't it? Because once you get involved in the family business, it's then hard to get that time away again. Um, yeah. So well, that's great. Um, so you said that your dad sort of experimented a bit with planting soft fruit. Was that a conscious decision or was it just, oh, we'll give it a go? Or how did that come about? 
Yeah, I was really friendly with a uh, guy, Charlie King, up in uh, who's, who farms soft fruit up at, uh, just outside Blair Gowrie. And uh, uh, Charlie kind of helped Dad and uh, encouraged him to, to to plant some soft fruit. It was quite a closed shop in these days. You know, there was a lot of sort of fruit grown sort of Angus Blair Gowrie area, and uh, um, you know, a lot of the the planting stocks were came from these areas as well. Um, okay. So it was, it was quite difficult getting sort of planting material and um, uh, getting expertise and and help. Um, yeah. Uh, but. Um, and it was also kind of at a time when pick your own was kind of starting to fall off. You know, there was quite a few big pick your own farms around about Edinburgh that were uh, really struggling, and uh, you were know, starting to close down. So right. it, was, it was, you know, it, it wasn't the easiest of starts for Dad, but you know, certainly uh, put in sort of strong, strong foundations that uh, you know certainly allowed us to kind of uh, move move things forward. Yeah, and so what sort of fruit and veg do you grow now then? Yeah, we're well, growing uh, uh, soft fruit wise. We're growing raspberries, strawberries, cherries, apples, uh, black currants, red currants, gooseberries, uh, and then you know quite a wide range of vegetables. So um, you know carrots, parsnips, collies, uh, most of your brassicas, uh, turnips, and uh, uh, salads and things like that. So I think when I was sowing. Uh, in the springtime, I think I counted there's about 70 different uh, oh uh, types of crops. So it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it must be hard to keep track of what needs to go in when and, and what's being sown when and, and where. Yeah, um, yeah, it's quite a bit, uh, quite, 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 quite a challenge, yeah. So it's obviously gone from being, you know, an, a, a side part of the business to the main part of the business. How did you build the business up? Yeah, well, well the soft fruit uh, side, I mean, we actually were were um in the in the 1990s we were sort of supplying strawberries to uh, local supermarkets so you know, at that time okay. you know, were able to sort of sell, uh, take them and sell them at the uh, you know cash to the back back door of Willie Lowe's and store and Safeways and stores like that yeah. um but then you know, things kind of developed and your know, polytunnels came in the go um we kind of grew that side of the business but we were never on the same scale as you know the the, the 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 big producers of soft fruit up um, in sort of our broth Angus area, mm-hmm. um, so it, but we were supplying the supermarkets and each year we were kind of doubling up, doing more and more. But you know it became quite obvious that we we're having to work harder and harder every year. Uh, but you know we we're kind of getting less and less in return. You know the margins were really starting to to dwindle and yeah. you know, I think, I think, you know farmers are kind of our own worst enemy sometimes you know uh, you know back in the late 1990s 2000s you know there was a shortage of uk produced fruit um and there was quite a lot of fruit imported but then you know, became so successful at um, growing fruit and supplying fruit for you know sort of nine months of the year um that suddenly we didn't have the ball at our foot. It was the the big retailers that had the ball at their foot, and they were able to start right. calling the shots and pushing the price yeah. down. So um, we actually came out of supplying supermarkets in 2011 and uh, uh, focused on you know, selling as much as we could uh, direct to 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 the customer, which is uh, where we're at now. And so you started off with a small sort of on on farm little shop. Was that the nineties you started with that? Yeah, when when your dad started growing fruit he, uh, in the sort of late eighties, early nineties, uh, you know he had to sort of find a way of retail of, of selling it. So he, he opened up a, a wee shop at the back door of the house where 
sold potatoes and um, you know a couple of lines of vegetables and stuff like that. So you know, probably yeah. I think there was probably about ten lines altogether. And uh, you know, in these early days, it was very informal. If if we were there, the customer got served. If not, it was kind of tough luck, really. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, uh, you know, it was, it was very informal. But things kind of grew from there, and and uh, um, you know, just kind of slowly grew the shop during the during the nineteen nineties. I think it's fair to say you've got a pretty substantial uh, shop now. Um, I've been several times and it's, it's it's an amazing setup. So how did you get to the point where you decided, right, we're going to build a big farm shop here and really go for this? Yeah, well, I suppose um, we're, Kirstein was, was, we make quite a lot of jams and chutneys. So Kirstein was selling the, the jams and chutneys at Edinburgh Farmers Market uh, sort of the late 1990s. Um mm-hmm. And you know that that time it, it sort of became quite quite <coughs> clear to us you know that the consumer were becoming more interested in where their food was coming from that they'd become detached from how the food was produced uh, yeah. and, but you know and the result of kind of a few sort of health scares with salmonella and eggs and uh, mad cow disease you know there, there was a you know a percentage, a significant percentage of the population that were were becoming really interested in where their food was coming from and, and sort of cared about their the the, the provenance. Um, so you know, it was probably about that time when we started to kind of think, right, you know, how do we develop the shop and um, started going through the the, the you know, tapping into various European funds to to get help and uh, you know look at our business and see how we could go about to to finance uh, uh, setting up a farm shop. Okay, so when did your uh, first sort of bigger farm shop open? Yeah, it was it was two thousand six that we, we built the, uh, the farm shop, and you know, you know that time uh, I didn't really see the advantage of having a, a cafe. I suppose at that time I was doing doing quite a lot of uh, farm work, and so working kind of you know long hours, and uh, um, you know when Kirstein sort of said, "Oh, you should really have a cafe with this shop as well." I sort of said, oh, you know, cafe will work well at the weekend, you know, and people have uh, got time to come out and have a coffee, but during the week it'll just be, be you know, like tumbleweed. Um, yeah. So uh, she, she took us up to uh, uh, Blair Main's farm shop just outside Stirling, um, uh-huh. which is probably be one of the sort of first farm shops in Scotland. And uh, I can quite clearly, clearly remember it was a Tuesday um and you know it wasn't in the holidays or anything and you know, we had to queue to wait for uh to get a seat uh yeah so, so, so kind she, of she proved she you was, wrong she proved me wrong she's yeah. you know i'm not often wrong but you know she, 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 <laughs> I, I wasn't that occasion we had to kind of go through as well quite a long process just uh, um negotiating with our landlord we, we do have a good relationship with our landlords but you know i, I served a notice of diversification uh, on our landlord and um, uh, the factor sort of said look you know do we really want to go down this route um, you know, could we maybe just look at some some alternatives so mm-hmm. um, you know we, we kind of uh, got got some uh, professional advice and sat down around the table and um, uh, you know, it became obvious what you know, what, what was important to the landlord and uh, uh, and you know, what was also important to us so we decided to take um, you know, a bit of ground out, out of the farm tenancy um, and enter it into sort of a, a business lease, uh, which has okay. you know, got a bit more flexibility than, than sort of the, the standard kind of agricultural tenancies. Right. Um, so, we've, so we developed the original build uh, on, on, on that basis. That 
had a, a real hidden benefit that, that I'd never really kind of appreciated at the time because uh, it created an asset that, that we were we were able to to then sell um, uh, or trade. Being being a, being a tenant farmer, didn't really have that many assets apart from sort of our machinery. Yeah. So we had to sell yeah. all our kind of machinery to build the initial farm shop. Yeah. Uh, it became quite clear that you know it was it was the biggest problem in the in the early days was it was too small. Um, you know, it was it would would stacks and stacks of customers, which is a great problem to have. But yeah. you know, when you when you've only got fifty seats, but you've got two hundred people looking to sit down, um, wow. yeah. you know, it's 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 a, it's a real problem. So um, yeah. when, we, when we went to to sort of chat to the banks about um, you know how you know about extending. Um, the, the banks uh, uh, looked at our lease and said, well, actually, you know, there's quite a bit of value in this lease. We're quite happy to uh, okay. uh, uh, lend against this. Uh, so um, you know, we managed to tap into some uh, European money, um, and uh, um, which paid for about 50% of the, that kind of extension two, two years after we opened. So does the business lease mean that you still own the building, though, at the end of the day, or is it part of the tenancy still? Yeah, we we own the building, uh, okay. although it's it's uh, uh, written off over over fifty year pe- uh, period. Uh, right. So, you know, so at the, the end of that period, uh, it reverts back to to the ten- uh, to the landlord. So yeah, just a different way of doing things that you maybe wouldn't have, have thought about before. Um, were you taken by surprise then that in the first couple of years how successful the shop really was and the cafe? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it did take us by surprise. I suppose we didn't really have enough lot of time to to think about it because, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, and then uh, you know, not only did we have lots and lots of customers, we also then had to start employing lots and lots of staff, which uh, yeah. you know, uh, uh, being you know, sort of. Uh, very much a uh, person that had always done things himself and, you know, it was uh, sitting in a tractor uh, uh, by himself for uh, lots and lots of hours. Um, Probably you know, then, quite happy doing that. Then quite happy doing that. <laughs> then yeah. to have uh, uh, people question you or not do things yeah. as well as you do them uh, you yeah. know, was, was, a, was a real challenge in the early days. So I think that's it, though, isn't it? Is recognizing what skills you each have, and, and, and now that your children are involved as well, what what they can bring to the business, and yeah, playing to your strengths is probably the key. But um, it, it must have been a challenge going from, you know, just your seasonal workers to suddenly having to employ permanent staff as well. It must have been, you know, yeah. quickly without necessarily having the training or experience in in that area. Yeah, well, that's been, it. You know, it was something we identified. We had to kind of, uh, um, you know. Well, certainly on a personal level, I had to kind of uh, uh, address and change quite quickly. And uh, you, know, I, I signed up to the rural leadership program, and that that was a real, real okay. help help for that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. and yeah, you know, I suppose like many farming uh, uh, businesses, you, you put a, a lot of the, the the people in their in the positions, bec- or family businesses, I suppose. You put people in the position that they're, that they're in because of who they are, rather than their skill set. So, you know, that's yeah. a trap trap that we fell into. And you know, at, uh, Kirstine is 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 a shop manager, and uh, her sister-in-law Anne is is a cafe manager, um, and you know, it it became quite apparent that they were both trying really hard uh, to to please me uh, but they both hated doing it and uh, uh, okay. you know, didn't, didn't enjoy managing the people um you know so i kind of joke about how uh, you know when 
obviously when I identified that th uh, through going through the rural leadership process, uh, you know, that I had to, uh, had to sack both of them. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, it, it was that kind of recognition of, um, you know, th th that wasn't their skill set and, you know, they're far yeah. better being, you know, front of house, speaking to customers and um, th without the pressure of kind of managing, managing staff. Yeah, and the family obviously survived that, that decision to sack them. <laughs> They're still working there. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what would you say, or who would you say is your target market in in the cafe then in the shop? Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of our uh, customer bases were we're kind of very much sort of fifty percent sort of uh, families with young kids, sort of preschool age kids. And okay. fifty percent sort of retired professionals. Um, so you know, okay. we're quite lucky in the west side of Edinburgh. There's, there's quite a few sort of uh, um, you know quite good areas, affluent areas. Yeah. Um, uh, so you know, we've got quite a good draw. You know, all all through kind of um, our growth and development, um, you've managed to kind of keep these two groups fairly happy. Uh, side by side, um, although you know there are times a year, like during the summertime, when we see an increase in in the families with young kids that um, you know causes a bit of friction, and then sort of the, yeah. the sort of el more elderly customers then um, you know will maybe uh, disappear for a few months when the school holidays uh, are on, um, yeah. and uh, they're the ones that are kind of spending the the money in the shop. You know, so uh, you know, it, it's becoming a sort of bigger and bigger problem as we as okay. we're kind of kind of grew and developed. So, you know, that was kind of the the main kind of reason behind kind of the the next stage of development, where we're you know adding a, a a play barn and, and and another cafe. So that's going to be a separate building, is it, to try and keep the the two groups <laughs> happy, if you like, yeah. is it? Yeah, yeah. So it's a separate yeah. building. Um, we did we did look at a, a separate. Um, uh, destination altogether, uh, okay. but we're, we're, we're kind of very carefully kind of planned, um, planned it so that you know we can kind of separate the two two groups. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not saying that we'll totally, um, well, we, we certainly won't exclude, but uh, you know we'll, we'll still have an element of families with young kids, uh, you know, visiting the shop, uh, mm -hmm. you know, which is great because you know I think um, you know it does add a bit of atmosphere. Um, yes. But, but, but yes. hopefully, you know, by, by providing this other area, we'll, we'll, we'll give them an area where they can run and let off steam and uh, allow our kind of, uh, um, you know, main kind of shopping audience uh, uh, do their do their weekly shop. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Craigie's has become a destination for more than just being a shop. It's almost an experience for people as well, um, yeah. as you're saying, the young families and things, because it's not just a farm shop and cafe now. You've got like sort of little farm trails you can do and animals and things, haven't you? How important is that, do you think, in the overall experience, adding these things that maybe cost you money and hassle factor, but do you think they draw in extra people? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, we're at the moment because of the building works and we don't have as many animals as we, we would normally have. Okay. Um, so, you know, we're definitely seeing that our customers are missing that. Right. And, and yeah, you're, you're right. You know, it's, it is an experience. And, you know, I think that was something that, uh, you know, I, I learned quite early on, with, especially with like the pick your own. If you go back sort of 20, 30 years ago, people used to pick fruits for putting in the freezer, uh, for making jam, um, uh -huh. you know, for, for, for eating. Um, and 
you know, a lot of the big pick your own farms around about Edinburgh and up and down the country, um, you didn't change from that. You know, they just kept on trying to think that model, uh, you know, as the, the customers were coming in and eating them, you know, dry basically of, 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 of their profit. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, we kind of recognised that uh, you know it was basically it was a, a nice day out in the countryside on the farm, uh, and and the fruit was was a byproduct of that day's experience. Um, yeah. You know, so you know that that's when we kind of looked at introducing a kind of um, minimum spend. Uh, so you know, any customers coming into the fruit and veg fields, we 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 take a a fee off them um, uh, per person, and but then they can redeem that against uh, any produce they pick. So so basically, yeah. it, it kind of rules out uh, the. You know the customers were taking advantage of us uh, by you know spending the day, um, you know, stuffing themselves with fruit. I mean, yeah, you, you know, <laughs> there would be times where you know they come out with the cream and you'll be sitting inside the, the field eating eating and uh, the fruit, and, and you know maybe just come out with uh, uh, with no fruit at all or or just you know uh, you know a couple of pounds worth of fruit. So yeah, um, you know, we had a lot of very unhappy customers when we introduced that system, but. You know, there there were really customers that we didn't didn't want. Um, yeah, it's such a nominal amount, isn't it? Like if you if you're serious about going to pick fruit, it's I mean, you know, it's a few pounds. It's nothing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then hopefully people still enjoy the experience as well. Oh, that's it. Um, yeah. yeah. So you have a pretty good social media presence as well, and you've just done a new website. How important is it, do you think, to keep the public up to date with what's happening on the farm through social media and your website? Yeah, I guess it's really important. You know, it's, you've they've got to have that kind of connection and sort of feel involved, and you know, have a bit of ownership in what we're doing. Uh, mm-hmm. And your know, word of mouth is um, is 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 our is our best best form of kind of uh, um, marketing. Um, yeah. You know, if, if you've a family come out and <clears throat> picking strawberries or pick a pumpkin, um, and they post a, a picture on their, their their social media. Then you know it's 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 amazing how that all just kind of grows and you know, the amount of people that's, that that see that and comment on it and share it. You know it's uh, um, yeah. you know it's, it's 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 really really important. And, uh, I think the pumpkin thing just has taken off the last couple of years. It's, and, and Craigie's has become like a bit of an Instagrammer's destination, isn't it, to get your photo <laughs> with a pumpkin? And it seems ludicrous, but um, that's what people want to do at the moment. And you seem to be right there at the, in the right place at the right time for that market. Yeah, well, we've been quite involved with Farm Retail Association and uh, you'll quite often find that, um, I'm not saying we're slow up north, but you know we're we're generally kind of uh, you know a couple of years behind the trends from down south, and uh, right. um, you know there's, there was a lot of kind of um, uh, farm shops doing pumpkins down south, and you know okay. uh, uh, you growing massively each year, and you know we've seen seen a lot of new sort of pop up um, uh, you pick your own pumpkins and whatnot uh, popping up, which. Yeah. Which you know, a lot of a lot of my friends sort of say, oh, is that not competition? You know, do you see them along the road? What they're doing now, and uh, and I, I think it's quite the opposite. You, know, I think it all just helps to kind of build that kind of momentum and kind of uh, um, you know reach out to more and more people. Uh, you know, so so I think it's it's fantastic to see uh, uh, yeah. you know uh, the, the kind of growth that we've seen up here in the last few years. 
Yeah, and it's, I mean, it is a relatively new thing. It's, you know, it's not that long ago when we were all trying to hollow out a neep for, yeah. for Halloween and it was, it was much harder. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a nice thing to do with the family, isn't it? And as you say, if they share it on social media as well, that's that's great. It just spreads the word a wee bit. Yeah, and, you know, the pumpkins is that kind of uh, thing with experience. You know, I mean, uh, we, 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 we kind of grow about half the pumpkins ourselves and we'll buy half the half of them in. Uh, okay. and, uh, and and pop them out in the field, which uh, unfortunately we can't do that with strawberries. But anyway, it's uh, <laughs> you know we're quite honest about that, and I think it's um, uh, you know I think last year I had one customer that came up to us and sort of says you you I can't believe you're charging you know six pounds or six or seven pounds for a pumpkin. You know, I can go to Tesco's and get a pumpkin for a pound, and I sort of mm-hmm. said to her, I says well you know, if it's just a pumpkin you want go to Tesco's, but you know yeah. if you want come out with the kids, uh, you know, take, take lots of pictures, kids get covered in mud and, you know, get the tractor and trailer ride, pick their pumpkin, you know, maybe get hot chocolate and a cookie from yeah. the, the, the cafe, then you'll come out here and spend, you know, seven quid for, for a pumpkin. Yeah, yeah it's that experience thing again, experience. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and do you think people are getting more connected to where their food comes from nowadays? You said sort of like the 90s people were starting to get that connection. I feel that was kind of lost again, but I, I personally feel that people are now becoming more aware of where the food's come. Have you seen that trend in the in your um, customers? Yeah, a little bit. Um, still not, 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 not as... Uh, I think probably probably it's a bit unfair. You know, I think probably ninety percent of our customers do uh, know and understand, but you know it's, it's that that ten percent that you know, still have no idea. You know, have a kind of joke in the office. You know, if it's a sunny day in, in February, um, you know, you can guarantee that the phone will ring and there'll be someone asking if they pick your own strawberries are are on the go. Uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, it's yeah. Uh, I, 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 think think, I think that's the supermarket, so isn't it? You can go and buy strawberries at any time of year, and yeah, some people just won't realise. They won't look at the label to see where they're from. Yeah, um, you know, they see them in the supermarket, so they think, "Oh, we must be able to pick them now." Yeah, no, that's that's a, that's the thing. And it's kind of you know, we're, we're, we have you know everything. There's no real seasons anymore. We can fly things no. on. Uh, so you know, it's it's uh, you know, it's twenty four seven, and you there's a lot of customers that now you know, just can't seem to appreciate the fact that you know, we can't just kind of open the gates into the fields and let you know lots more customers in because you know the strawberries just need time to ripen. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So still, there's still still a lot of learning to do. We're currently still, I would say, in the middle of the coronavirus um, pandemic, but things obviously changed very rapidly for for everybody, but. I would say it's probably affecting your sort of business more than a traditional farming business where they don't have, you know, a customer facing role. How have you and your team adapted to these challenges? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I, the, the team have adapted really, really well. I mean, our, our, our business is totally different to, to what it was, uh, uh, you know, three months ago. Mm-hmm. Um you know, when this all, all kicked off, uh, uh, Kirsty and me were, were in Canada. Um, right. you know, we were, were supposed to be uh, 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 going to support uh, our, our uh, Eve Newhead's team. And our daughter Sophie was, was going to be fifth man at the World Championships. Um, uh-huh. and, and then that obviously got, got cancelled. And then, you know, just things just then started just to kind of uh, happen. So, you know, quite a lot of... Um, 
calls with uh, with my general manager here, just uh, you know, as, as, as things were starting to kind of close down, uh, and you know, you know, we were having discussions uh, at that time about you know, um, you know, whether we'd be able to keep staff on, and uh, you know, which which members of staff should we be letting go. Um, so you know we're having having these discussions, and you know that's this is alongside as well. You know with with my Highland show hat on as well. Um, yeah. You know it was quite involved in the decision to uh, to cancel the show at the same time as well. So if you know there was, there was uh, uh, quite a lot of Zoom calls sort of uh, in the early hours um, uh, uh, yeah. from the other side of the Atlantic. So but anyway, we we managed to to get home and. Um, uh, uh, Sharon and uh, general manager and the team had uh, sort of started taking orders um, and they'd sort of set up a kind of a simple web form on the website and uh, uh, taking orders over the phone and doing deliveries, okay. which uh-huh. uh, uh, you know, seemed to be going quite well. And very quickly, um, you know, uh, we had to kind of take on a couple of van drivers um, to, to help with the deliveries. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, it was becoming, you know, quite a logistical nightmare because you were having to take the orders customers were then phoning up to change their order and um oh, no. yeah, the, you know how dare they uh, and then yeah. uh, <laughs> then you know we, we were then having to call the customer up to get payment over the phone so we weren't set up uh, properly to take payments uh, on, on, the, on the website so, oh, okay. uh, 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 so so you know we're really sort of able to kind of uh make use of, of most of the team um kitchen team sort of uh, came up with a, a range of uh, ready meals and uh, or, or bakers were uh, making bread uh, you know, basically kind of 18 hours a day um wow. you know so it was it, it was really kind of kicking off and when the furlough scheme came out uh, obviously you know, sort of thought well it's a very generous scheme and we sort of sat down and thought, right, okay, so who who should we be looking at putting on it? And uh, you know what had been a great big long list of of, of redundancies, uh, um, you know, sort of very quickly turned into um, you know, well, actually, we need most of these uh, these members of staff because uh, you know we're, we're actually quite busy. So uh, we yeah. just had to we just had to furlough a handful of staff, um, sort of you know a few members of staff that are a bit older um, and sort of a bit more vulnerable. Um, yeah. So, so we're able to take advantage of, of that scheme to, to to keep them safe. Yes. Um, so you know it's um, yeah it was uh, uh, it turned around quite quickly and it's it's, it's yeah. really just the last three months of kind of like well where did that go? That's that's brilliant that there's been such yeah. high demand. Do you think when lockdown eases a bit more and people are able to go back to you know their normal lives or shopping habits, do you think you'll keep up the delivery service? Is that do you think there's demand there for it? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we have committed to, to offering it going forward, and uh, okay. um, you know, we, we, we bought a van and uh, we invested quite heavily in the website, which uh, um, we, we kind of uh, launched last week, so we can take okay. online payments and you know, have a, a bit better web shop. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we're still seeing uh, a lot of orders coming through there. Um, you know, good high basket spends. I think a lot of the customers that we're, we're getting are, are kind of a bit older, and you know, have you know, still quite high disposable income, so they like the sort yes. of finer finer things in life. Uh, yeah. So you know, I think that will still work quite well. Um, and then you know, hopefully you know, when things do ease, they'll still come out to the cafe and uh, uh, yeah. and use the services there. So yeah, no, I'm com- I'm confident there's a future.
yeah, and I think when things return a bit more to normal, if we ever go back to such a thing, people will be looking forward to getting out and about a bit more. But as you say, for those vulnerable people, perhaps it's it's a good service that they can keep using and still get the the treats yeah. <laughs> uh, delivered to them every week or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, have you learned any lessons then? Do you think from this difficult last few months? Yeah, well, I suppose that's uh, yeah. You sort of looking in the shopping baskets and seeing what essentials are. You know, sort of uh, yeah. uh, eggs were a real challenge. Uh, milk, bread was a real challenge. Uh, yeah. And then the, the other end of the scale, things that we were running out with was uh, running out of was English wine and gin. Uh, right. you know, it's, uh, <laughs> Uh, so it was the two different different uh, extremes, but uh, yeah. <laughs> the bakers uh, and the drinkers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Being, so I suppose we're quite lucky that we're still kind of small enough business that we can change, and we've got you know a good team that are up for for change and doing things differently. And yeah. um, uh, you know, I think you've just always got to look for the opportunities, and uh, you know, you know, Dad always sort of uh, was always sort of one for you know if something wasn't working then you know don't be scared to change it uh, mm-hmm. and you know we had probably kind of settled into a bit of a kind of a, a kind of doing things in a certain way because you know it, it seemed to work but but actually this is really kind of shaking things up and uh, um, you know it's become quite clear that um, you know there is a better way of doing things and you know the last three months have you know been been, been the best three well, best March, April, and May that we've we've ever had, really? um, wow. and you know, and that's with with well, half of our business is, is you know was closed down. We've re- kind of reopened a kind of a, um, a takeaway food offering from a food truck uh, in the last okay. couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, so for the the shop to be able to kind of uh, you know beat its uh, uh, targets, but then also sort of cover the the cafe as well. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's been, been amazing. That's incredible, yeah. And looking forward now, we're just at the sort of start of the, the fruit season. Do you normally have seasonal staff that will come and pick for you? Are you still going to be able to employ the sort of normal people that you would to do those jobs? Yeah, I mean, with being pick your own, we're kind of, you know, probably about 90% of our, our fruit, uh, you're waiting to sell as pick your own. Uh, oh really? Okay, so, so quite high amount. Yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're picking a very small percentage. So right. Um, your our farm team are able to cope cope with that. Okay. Um, uh, and um, you know, we have a, a couple of Eastern European uh, uh, members of staff that kind of work for us for about sort of nine months of the year who who are already here. So. Yeah. So Brexit. Do you think that'll impact your business then, or do you, do you kind of see things being okay for the way you work at the moment? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the, the biggest worries is, you know, about the, uh, uh, you know, UK government allowing imports to come in. Uh, that, yeah, you know, this new agriculture bill, yeah. Yeah, you know, that are kind of being produced to a different set of standards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably for my own personal business, that's probably not as much of an issue. It probably actually maybe helps the like of uh, farm shopping cafe because you know the there will be you know yes there's a there's a big percentage of the population that you know, wants their food as, as cheap as they can get it um, but you know equally I think you know percent you know, we're not looking for for the, for that customers uh, uh, no. custom we're we're looking at the customers that are you know, want that assurance that uh, something has been produced uh, in a certain way so you yeah. know, so I suppose that's all only going to help us. Um, yes. 
it's about educating your customers about your standards, isn't it? And 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 what you're doing versus what what other people are doing in other countries. Well, that's um, so they're yeah. aware. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the the issue could be that there'll be a lot of people after coronavirus that are maybe not as well off um you know there'll be a lot of unemployment and people as you say needing needing to buy food mm-hmm. as, as cheaply as possible because they've got a family to feed so that, that, that's a different challenge but um hopefully your, your your customer base will still yeah still be there yeah anchor type of business does quite well in a kind of a, a recession or kind of hard times you know it's uh, the last time when we, we you know when we grew the farm well when we opened the farm shop and grew it you know uh, we added our, our last extension on just at the time of the, the bank crash and you know we've, we found then you know a lot of our customers who'd maybe go out to sort of nice treats and sort of nice restaurants or uh, or, or whatever were, were maybe sort of downgrading and then you're know, using mm-hmm. sort of coming out to a farm shop as a as a treat and spending a day with okay. a family out in the, in, in the, in the, in the countryside and yeah. you know I, I never really thought twice about continuing with this building works and this investment that we're, 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 we're about to embark on or are embarking on um, you know because I feel that probably actually you know there's probably going to be less people going away on holiday um, yeah. uh, over the next few years so you know they're, they're going to be you know they still have the leisure time they need to spend with their family so you know hopefully uh, businesses like 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 of ours uh, will, will benefit from that yeah so uh, yeah it's back to that experience thing isn't it people will be wanting to spend time with their family having been apart from many of them for so long and you're in such a, a great location to to make the most of being so close to edinburgh um that people yeah. can get to you easily and yeah. still feel like they're in the countryside um because you are you know it's oh, best of both yeah. world oh, absolutely yeah yeah so just thinking back of everywhere where the business has, was, has come what is it do you think that drives you personally why do you do what you do i wouldn't say that I've, i get driven by 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 cash i think uh, i suppose as as we're seeing the business being more and more profitable then that it, it, it probably does kind of quietly drive me a little bit but i wouldn't say it's a major yeah. driver i think the, the thing that really drives me is seeing uh um you know people better themselves and kind of you know learn and improve um you know i've taken a number of members of staff on in the past um, um you know we had a couple of young chefs uh um you know we started off washing dishes and we kind of got them into kitchen and, and trained them and um there's, there's one guy I, I put into the um, Scotland Food and Drink Junior Chef Award, and he was he was runner up, uh, but um, it exposed him to some of the top chefs in Edinburgh. And, um, we actually kind of uh, uh, pushed uh, him away and said, "Look, you know, if you want to grow and learn this business, then you're you're better off uh, uh, you know going into Edinburgh and working in some of these big kitchens rather than kind of working here." So. Uh, 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 Scott ended up uh, going and getting a job in the Balmoral and worked his way up to to wow. uh, quite quite high up in the Balmoral, and yeah. you know he's actually come back here. Um, you know he's got a family of young kids, so he's looking for a better work life balance. Uh, yeah. So he's, he's he's actually come back here as our head chef, which is really nice. Um, yeah. And then there's another 
young guy who's uh, working now at Nico Six, and uh, he's he's actually going to be on TV later on this week, and he's been, uh, supposed to be going down south to open up another restaurant for them uh, down south. So you know, it's okay, it's seen yeah. uh, uh, your people uh, develop and uh, take on more. Um, you know, I think uh, you know, um, gives me a lot of satisfaction and uh, gets me up in the morning. Yeah. So what is success for you and how do you measure it? I suppose success is, is, is happiness. Uh, I'd like to think that I'm leaving, leaving West Craigie in better, uh, uh, better than what it was uh, when I took it on you know, for, for the next generation. Um, success is uh, you know, if I can leave the business for, uh, you know, go away for two months, and uh, you know, and the the, the team can uh, run it and operate it, and uh, it still be here when when I get back. You know, I think you know that that's something I learned quite quickly is that you know I'm never going to build and grow this business by doing everything myself. Uh, you know, but you, you have to learn to step back and uh, let others uh, learn uh, from their mistakes, and for it to continue. Uh, operating um you know seamlessly without without me thank you john for taking the time to talk to me today and providing such an interesting insight into your farming business at west craigie you can find out more about the farm advisory service and the work we're doing on our website www.fas.scot or if you need advice call the helpline on 0300 323 0161